You're listening to If Only I Were Wiser podcast, where Raina Wilson brings together wisdom and raw life stories to provide encouragement and truth. So many times it's easy to become discouraged in your own pursuit of health because your story or circumstances look drastically different from your favorite influencer or even the expectations you had for yourself. If that is you, welcome. This space is for you to learn, breathe, and maybe just listen and see what wellness could look like for you. Hey friends, welcome back to the If Only I Were Wiser podcast. On today's episode, I have sweet fellow non-toxic mama friend, Kristen Van Gils. Kristen is a trained graphic designer and photographer turned holistic health guru after going through an autoimmune disease that began in 2018. She is married to her med student husband, Nick, and they live in Indianapolis with her one-year-old daughter. For this episode, there is no gatekeeping here, so be ready. Kristen lays out her own mold story, which is similar to mine, and how she had to navigate that with her family. She also shares about a debilitating autoimmune disease that she had to walk through and how that's played a role in her now pursuing holistic and non-toxic living. I'm so thankful for the authenticity and vulnerability of this new mama friend of mine sharing her story, so let's dive in. Hello, Kristen. Welcome to the If Only I Were Wiser podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited, like Loki, so excited for this conversation because I've seen just from your platform that we share similar stories. So it's just like so encouraging and exciting to hear like somebody else's life story. Yeah, thanks. I'm so excited. <laughs> so before we get into that, I would love to start with just hearing a little bit about you. What does your family look like? What is like a day in the life, you know, just look like for you right now? Yeah, so um, I am a wife. I have a one-year-old daughter. She's at the time of this recording, she is 16 months old. Um, I am a content creator. So I do like a variety of different digital content, graphic design, I'm a freelancer. I also work as a birth and newborn photographer. And then I have my Instagram platform that I make content for, but mostly focusing in the holistic health world. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I work as a stay-at-home mom. And I like to say work because I feel like it totally is a job. Um, like, absolutely. So that is like what I do is I am home with my daughter and working on my phone anytime I can get a chance to. Um, But we love to be outside. I love to cook. My husband loves to grill. So we like make a fun combo of like doing a lot of fun meals. And we love hosting and having family over all of our family except for a couple live like within 20 minutes of us. So we like see them all the time, which is so fun. And then um, I love listening to like murder mystery audiobooks and stuff yes. like that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. I think the other night I was like watching, what are they? Like the I Survived series that was like on TLC, you know, like, yes. it's fine. I'm also, yeah, I'm a huge sucker for like trash reality TV too. Mm. Mm-hmm. Love that. Here for that. <laughs> yeah, I can totally relate to some of that. So you mentioned a little bit about your family. And I think on your platform, you said that your husband is a doctor. What is it like to like, navigate that right now? Is he like full in doctoring? Is he going through residency? I have a friend of mine that's in the middle of all of that. So it's a whole long process. 
Yeah, it's a very long process. So he's actually a med student still. Okay. So he just finished his second year of med school. So this summer he's starting his rotations in the hospital. So he'll have two years of rotations. And then after that, he will hopefully match for residency. Um, and his goal is to be a surgeon. So, oh, wow. Yeah. It's a very long process. And like, it's been a very humbling and trying experience mm-hmm. to walk through that together. In fact, the first date that we ever went on, he told me, he was like, I'm going to be a doctor. And if you're not cool with that, then we shouldn't pursue a relationship. And I was like, okay, well, yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks for letting me know. But um, he is super dedicated to helping heal people. I think both of us are in different capacities. Um, his is much more technical than mine. Um, with the education that he has, but like both of us are very passionate about helping people heal. Um, And I love that he is in a doctor of osteopathic program. So he actually is getting more of a holistic um, training than you would in a traditional uh, medical doctor program. Wow, that's super cool. Yeah. What has it been like to like navigate new rhythms, especially with your young daughter? Like I can only imagine... (laughs) just the adjustment that that would have been? Well, I think that I've heard somewhere, don't quote me on this, but I've heard somewhere that like the divorce rate during med school is like, like 50% or more. It's like higher than that. And that doesn't surprise me because it is hard. Mm. Um, It is hard to be the spouse of somebody going through med school. So like if anybody's listening to this right now and can resonate with that, like my heart just goes out to you because I get it. Um, And I think it's because of our, like love for each other and also our faith in God that we have that has like kept our marriage strong, which has been so amazing, but it's definitely been difficult and hard, like with a daughter. And part of our story is that we lost our home to mold, um, right at the start of his second year, which the second year of med school is the hardest year. And so Mm -hmm. he had to navigate all of that, um, in the midst of tests, and exams and like the hardest lectures of his life and yeah uh, it's been a crazy crazy year for us just going through that walking through it together and I think Mm um yeah I saw I can't remember where it was somewhere on social media recently I saw this post that was like people talk about how marriage is supposed to be like 50 50 like one person gives 50 percent and the other person gives 50 percent and it's not false not true because (laughs) some days one of you might only have 20 to give. So then the other person has to make up for the extra 30 that's missing. Right. So I feel like that has been like a good descriptor of what it's been like for us. Cause some days, like, I feel like I'm at like a one or a zero. So he has to give 99 or the other way around, you know? Uh, And there's a lot of times when I don't want to. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I mean, by God's grace, like we are doing great even though it's been hard and I'm grateful that he's starting his rotations now, which means he's out of the classroom finally. So no more like crazy exams every week. And um, he's actually getting that hands-on experience that he's been looking forward to. So, yeah, I can totally empathize with um, what you said. Your like one of your first dates were because my husband had a simpler, a similar sentiment. And he was just like, Hey, like I'm leaving for the army in six months. We can either do this or we don't. And he actually ghosted me. I don't know if I've ever shared this on a podcast, but (laughs) when my husband and I met, we had been set up through a mutual friend and 
he first reached out and then ghosted me for like two weeks. <laughs> and so I had gone to my mutual friend and been like, no, 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 we're not like, we're not doing this. Like, I'm not playing games. Like I was about to start a full new like residency ministry position. I heard he was in the army. I was like, we're not entertaining this. Then, you know, we had our first date. My husband, now husband, was like, I'm going off to the army. And then I like left that date and I was like, "Mm, well, this is my husband. I remember calling my mom and being like, this is my husband. So (laughs) at least you knew what to expect, right? (laughs) Yeah. So got roped into it as well. But I am super curious about what the last year, two years-ish has looked like for you. As you've mentioned, your mold story, our family is actually navigating that very uh, similarly right now too. So I'd just love to start there and just kind of hear like, it can be super overwhelming. We've had um, PJ Harlow is a good friend of mine. I've had a po- had her on here for the podcast as well. Love her. She's a gem. Um, so she has been able to help us through this whole process. But I'm just curious, like, what has has it been like for you? Because it can be super overwhelming to see from the outside in. Yeah, I feel like mold is one of those topics where like, if you aren't currently walking through it, or haven't walked through it, you just like don't even like you you feel like you can't even go there. Like you can't even begin to comprehend. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who has gone through like, the devastation of mold toxicity, I kind of describe it as like having your house burned out, except people don't really understand it. Like when your house burns down, people are like, that is horrible. And then they like immediately come to your aid and like, whatever. And then like, when you have mold, and you're trying to tell people like, we lost everything to mold. They're like, what? Yeah. Huh? And so yeah. So basically, what happened for us is uh, I guess I have to like backtrack a little, but, um, so we bought our first home in January of 2021 and it was a fixer upper, which we were planning to do ourselves right when my husband started med school. We were very ambitious people like having a lot on our plate, but, um, so he started med school that summer while we were working on renovating our house ourselves. And at the same time I found out I was pregnant. So there was a lot that was going on. And we felt like, well, we're just doing all the life changes all at once. Woohoo! <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I went through my pregnancy and then that following spring or er, winter. So about a year after we had purchased our home early 2022, I gave birth to my daughter. Um, and that like it was probably the best experience of my life, like mm. giving birth in my like top two best days of my life it would be like maybe top three best days of my life would be like giving my life to Jesus mm-hmm. getting married to my husband and giving birth yeah. to my daughter yeah it's a crazy crazy experience but so empowering um so we brought her home in February and then uh within like three weeks she started showing some very strange health symptoms mm. um so she had extremely severe reflux which I knew that like spitting up is normal for babies but I was like this seems like a lot Um, and then also we were noticing mucus in her stool. So I was like examining her diapers and looking at them and realizing they didn't really look normal to what I had thought was normal for newborn, um, bowel movements. And she was getting super severe acne on her face, which again, baby acne is a thing, right? Like they're 
getting used to the outside world for the first time but it was really really severe like we have photos of her just like she looked like a like a 14 year old teenager like going through puberty it was so bad and then um she also was getting random hives on her feet and legs that seemingly correlated to nothing in particular so I decided to try a bunch of food elimination. So we cut out some things that I was hadn't already been not consuming. So we cut out like mm-hmm. dairy, m- more processed sugar. That was when I finally like fully closed the door on seed oils. Um, haven't really looked back since then, but um, just like walked away from a lot of different food groups that I thought maybe were irritating her system. Soy, peanuts, corn, a lot of stuff. And her symptoms cleared up Mm -hmm. a little, but not enough for me to feel like that was really the issue. And so it was around then that I started like, you know, I feel like the the blinders were kind of taken off my eyes from within the holistic community of like, okay, I have seen so many practitioners talk about mold and I just always was just like, eh, doesn't relate to me or like not applicable. Right. Um, And so then I was like, well... I have never really thought about this before. Maybe this is something I should consider. Um, And it was around that same time that the weather was warming up around like April and May. And we had like several really big um, thunderstorms that came through our area. And so I remember thinking like, "Hmm, I feel like our house smells a little bit musty, which was a smell I was familiar with having grown up in an old home in Indianapolis. To me, I just thought, oh, that's just the smell of an old home. But with my new like... Mm -hmm thoughts about mold I was considering maybe this is something we need to look into further so we ended up doing an ERMI on our home we hired PJ because we saw that we had ketomium globosum at 600 times the healthy limit in our house um and it was just like oh (laughs) like okay this is definitely an issue Um, And after we talked with PJ, it was like, no, this is a really big issue. And this is one of the types of mold that puts off some of the nastiest mycotoxins and can do some of the worst uh, health harm. So it was after that conversation with PJ and we ended up talking to a um, mold inspector who we literally just like verbally explained to him over the phone like some of the things that we were seeing in our home. Yeah. And also my husband went down and took a look in our crawl space because that was, you know, we f- learned that crawl spaces have a tendency to be an issue. He went down and found mold right near the intake for our HVAC. So there was a leak, there was water damage, there was mold, visible mold, and it was right where the air gets like sucked in for the air conditioning. So we realized that our whole air conditioning system had been blowing mold throughout our home. And it was coming out the worst in our daughter's nursery. Um, and so the next day we like left. We left our house and we went and moved in with my husband's parents. And we literally left our house with just the clothes on our back with no plan. We were like, we don't, we need to get out of here, but we don't know what we're going to do. Mm. Um, so we moved in with his parents, left all of our stuff behind. And then it took us about, a month to determine like okay we're gonna go ahead and have like a basic remediation done on the house and then we're gonna sell it because we spoke with an 
that same inspector who said like if you want to fully remediate your home and prevent future issues it's going to be upwards of thirty thousand dollars oh my gosh um so we just decided to sell and also he said because you're on a crawl space it's like a high likelihood that those moisture issues would recur right so you might run into the same thing five years down the road and we just felt like with how sensitive our daughter had seemed to be to that whole situation it wasn't worth it so that's what we did um so we had like a team of family and friends that like suited up in hazmat suits essentially and went into our house and pulled out the few things we felt like we could salvage which was you know things that were made of metal or um sealed wood and like ceramic like our dishes Mm -hmm. and stuff like that a lot of our kitchen appliances and then we went through a mold decontamination process with those items and then everything else any like bedding and soft furniture we dispose of and all of our daughter's baby things we got rid of yeah every single thing every pair of clothes every toy every stuffed animal we kept nothing at all of hers which was probably the most devastating part of it all for me um and so then we were I mean that process took several months because we had a storage unit that we were using as like an intermediate location for our things that we were cleaning and we were living with my in-laws and then trying to sell our house and then look for a new one so all of that was going on while my husband was in school um and yeah so it was really tough it was really hard and then this past January well, we sold our house in um, November, and then okay. um, this past January, we were very blessed to find a new home after a very long and tedious home search, which we were having all of our offers contingent on mold testing, and we even had to rescind an offer on a house because it wow. tested positive for black mold. So we were very yeah. fortunate to find um, a house that fit the bill for what we were looking for was in our price range and did not test positive for any mycotoxins so yeah um yeah so now we are in our current house and we have been through a lot in the last year but I think we're all just extremely grateful for our health and our safety and within three weeks of moving out of our moldy home all of our daughter's symptoms cleared up and we were able to reintroduce all of those foods within a couple of months um and everything all of her other symptoms went away. So that was crazy. Wow. That is incredible. I'm glad that you guys are safe. Um, it's so funny that you mentioned like the um, house fire situation. I don't know how similar you are or how familiar you are with my story, but our house did burn down, was struck by lightning when I was in high school and we did lose everything. But I've literally had that conversation with people trying to explain this mold process because we've really gone through what you've walked through. Um, we still have to go through our home. We live on base, um, in military housing. So like they are actually performing at the time of this recording, like our second remediation, which we're not going to move back into the house, (laughs) but the army has to do its thing because they're going to probably put another family in that home. Yeah. And that's, that's just going to be the nature of it. Um, but I definitely can empathize with the process of like, going through my son's stuff and, you know, saying goodbye to, like, our wedding things and, you know, like, all of the things that I think you hit the nail on the head. Like, it would be so much easier if you had this, like, catastrophic flood or house fire or whatever when, you know, mold can be just as toxic Mm -hmm. and people don't Mm -hmm. understand that. 
Yeah, and the thing that's crazy too, like when you kind of think about like a house fire or a flood compared to mold is to some extent you feel like it's your choice on what you keep and what you don't. So there feels like there's all this extra added pressure and guilt even of like, yeah. well, if it had been a fire, then I would have been left with no choice and I would have had to just say goodbye to it all. But then when it's mold, right? It, it's like every family, every individual has to kind of decide like what's worth it to me to try and keep and potentially contaminate my next home. So then you're like, right. I feel like I have these thoughts all the time of like, well, what, did we make the right decision on throwing away every book that we owned? Or was that like... Mm. too legalistic and I don't know it's hard when you feel like you're trying to make the decision about Mm. uh, what you can keep and what you can't to protect your family right yeah especially when there's like people around you that are like watching you go through that situation and they don't understand and then they're like well why don't you just keep your stuff and can't you clean everything and like wait why are you asking people to like help buy you new things for your home when you already own that stuff and it's just hard hard to explain that you know what I mean and then also there's the whole like all these people that will say well there's mold in my house and I feel fine right so yeah there's just so many layers to it that are difficult (laughs) Mm -hmm. and I think you can speak to it like I think this at least for my husband and I it's this been this place of like protecting our hearts because we lived in the house for three years I was pregnant in the house with my son and I felt like crap since we moved in like we knew The house stunk, like that mildewy smell since we moved in. We already had gone through a remediation, like at the time that PJ had stepped into the picture, we had already had a whole remediation done, you know? So it's this navigating this balance of like trusting the Lord's sovereignty and like bringing faith into the decision-making process and being like, Lord, at the end of the day, I know your hand of protection is over my life. I'm going to make the wisest decisions that I can. But if that means like tossing all of my son's books that we got at his baby shower, (laughs) because I don't want to run the risk of, yes, they've never been opened, but they were in the immediate contamination area next to our HVAC system. Like, yeah, I'm going to put those on an Amazon list and like offer it up to our family and friends and be like, hey, like if you'd like to replace your books, like write a note. These are all, you know, like. These are all the things that we're walking through. Um, but it's definitely been for our family just a place of spiritual surrender because you're right. Like, yeah. it's hard in trying to make these decisions because you've, at the end of the day, there's no right. <laughs> there's no right way either way you spin it. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Like, I remember the first week that we left our house and we were just kind of in shock that first day that we left. We went to Target to, like, buy enough clothes to get us through, like, two weeks before we would go back and start, like, sorting through stuff in the house. Yeah. And we were, like, walking through Target, and my husband was, like, for the people that, like, know biblical references, he goes, I feel like half-assed Job. And, like, I just, like, couldn't help but laugh because I was, like, I mean, you're not wrong. And we ended up going back to that, like, part of scripture so frequently and just, like, reminding ourselves that, like, one of the most faithful people who just like thanked the Lord continuously was the person who had everything taken away from him. Uh, and I was like, you know, Job had his wife and kids taken away too. And that right. fortunately has not happened to us. So it could always be worse. <laughs> and I'd rather it be mold than death, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. What encouragement would you give um, to people on the outside? Like, I know you've shared on your platform, like, protecting this space of your health journey with wisdom and discernment. And I totally agree because, like, there are, like, prior to our family walking through this, I never would have, you know, like, I had my blinders on. I never would have taken mold into a factor into, like, our overall health. But I remember even PJ encouraging us, like, be wise in what you share because for people that have not walked through this or are not in a place to add this to their level of capacity and whatever that looks like, it can be super overwhelming and scary mm-hmm. and just all of the things. So mm-hmm. how would you encourage someone, I think, maybe on the fence or is like listening to this episode and thinking like, wow, this is a lot, but maybe I could possibly step into this space of mm-hmm. starting to ask questions. Um, well, you know, something I talk about a lot on social media is that like my whole like platform is dedicated really to toxin-free living education. And that is like a pretty large umbrella that covers a lot of different things since like toxins can be physical or mental or spiritual and or relational. Um, so it's not just phthalates and parabens that we're talking about here, but a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, and I personally think that fear is one of the biggest toxins that we can introduce to our life. So if we, if somebody is trying to pursue a toxin-free life and all they do is think about all of the negatives and spend their life afraid of all the things that could harm them, I think ultimately their quality of life is going to suffer more significantly by constantly being afraid than by like actually yeah. getting rid of toxins in a way that protects your mental space as well. Um, and as a Christian, you know, I think I have this foundation that like not everybody has, right? Of the peace that passes all understanding. Mm-hmm. Being grounded in scripture and grounded in my faith in Christ is something that like I would not trade for anything else. And if I had to surround myself with every toxin if I had to live in the most moldy home of all time surrounded by 5,000 Bath and Body Works candles (laughs) if that's what was required of me to have a relationship with Jesus I would do that in a heartbeat because that eternal peace is something that I wouldn't trade for any level of toxin-free toxin-free living right Mm -hmm. um but that's not an answer that's gonna like (laughs) like sit well with everyone, right? (laughs) Um, So on a practical level, when it comes to like thinking through this fear topic and how to think about mold, um, this big scary topic that a lot of people want to just let go in one ear and out the other, but maybe there's this thing that's in the back of their mind saying, "Mm, hey, maybe you should reconsider and think more about this topic. Yeah. Um, I think one thing to keep in mind is that it, there's an estimated, right, 70 to 80% of homes in the United States have water damage molds that are affecting people's health. Um, so, like, if you're listening to this podcast, like, the odds are that you have water damage mold in your house. Right. But that's not something that you necessarily need to suddenly freak out about because an estimated only 25% of people in the United States have what's called CIRS, which is hypermold sensitivity. And so people with CIRS are the ones who are going to react very strongly to that mold. And we believe that our daughter has that. My husband and I don't have it. So we tested for it. We both, there's like a visual acuity test that you can take online that will test you for CIRS. 
mm-hmm. and neither of us have it. And I mean, there were certainly things about our health that were affected and impacted by living in mold, but neither of us were like bedridden. Um, like we realized after yeah. moving out that we were like sleeping better, eating better, uh, libido was better, like a lot of different things that were impacted by it, but we weren't like dying. Our daughter was super sick. We weren't. So it's only really one in four people that are going to be really, really sick from mold. And I think that's an important thing to remember is that you might be living in mold. You might be living in a lot of mold and you, you, the odds are that you are still going to be able to function decently well. Um, and so not everybody has to take the ultimate, like, conservative approach when it comes to mold prevention uh, or mold testing. Our, because of our daughter, we felt like we had to take the most conservative route possible. Right. But if we had found mold in our home and none of us seemed to be very impacted by it, our, like, response to that would have probably looked a little different. And so I think that's like my number one encouragement to people is like, don't just freak out because you're like worried that your house has mold or like if you, if your house smells musty or mildewy, don't just write that off as a death death sentence because the majority of people are and have been living in mold for the majority of their lives and are functioning the way they are, which might not be optimal, but like livable. Yeah. So it's really the people that are like feeling like I cannot live my daily life right now. And I think it might be because of mold that I would say you probably want to, you know, dive into this on a deeper level. But the other thing that you have to remember is that it is a process. It takes a long time to work through a mold situation. It's not like an overnight solution. The remediation, the inspection process, remediation process, decontamination process, it's all it takes so, so long and the healing takes a lot of time too so if you're living in mold and have been for a while and suddenly you feel like you're waking up to that fact for the first time and you're like I need to get out right now I need to do this I need to but I don't have the money I don't have the time whatever like just remember that it's not like an overnight fix and so like Mm -hmm. one more night in your moldy home one more week one more month it's not going to kill you it's like it's gonna be okay that's super encouraging because that's the exact conversation that my husband and I had as we yeah. navigated finances and we live on military housing so we can't just pack up and leave, <laughs> especially because we had a remediation, I, I use that loosely, <laughs> um, scheduled through army contractors, which we have no say so. We couldn't even get, like I still don't even know what they did the first time in our home. The only thing that they had told us was that they changed the carpets. Like, I literally have no idea what they're currently or had done in our home. And they won't release any of that information to us. So it was a conversation that my husband, I had and was like, you're about to leave for training. We need somewhere to live. We're going through all the army aspects of like fighting it this time. And I say fighting it loosely because they get to decide where, where we live. Um... But I think you hit the nail on the head earlier. Like, I've had this blessing of a peace that transcends all human understanding because I've had friends that have been lovingly like, oh, well, why don't you pursue, like, restoration or, you know, are you going to find look for financial compensation? And it's like, in the midst of all of this, it's a long process. <laughs> People don't understand it's a long process, especially if you want to do it as holistically as possible and you're using discernment and just 
navigating the emotional aspect. It's a long process. It takes a lot. So I definitely can relate in saying like, there has been a peace that I've just trusted the Lord in the midst of this and saying like, goodbye to the things that we need to say goodbye to saying yes to the things that I'm worth assuming risk. And they're probably going to be a little risky. Like I'm keeping my Bible that my dad gave me because I, yes, can I replace it? Is he alive to rewrite the note? (laughs) You know, like these are replaceable things, but like in discernment, it's walking through like, okay, I'm going to assume risk. There are other things we're going to just throw on the curb and tell people like, please don't take them. But it's a whole process. And I'm definitely thankful for the Lord's sovereignty and protecting some of those areas of my heart too. Yeah, that's good. One of the most helpful pieces of advice that PJ gave us when we were talking with her was that like, when you're walking through mold decontamination, your goal should be excellence, but not perfection. Because Mm. if your goal is perfection, you're going to be disappointed the entire time because you're not ever going to get it perfect. But if your goal is excellence, then you're going to leave margin for yourself to be able to keep the things that really are important to you that you feel like you can can have some level of risk knowing that you've done your absolute best decontaminating everything else, you know? Yeah. So that really helped put me at ease because I feel like in my mind, PJ is like the gold standard of the conservative approach to econ. And hearing her say that, that the goal was excellence and not perfection it kind of made me go "Ah, okay it's gonna be okay yes absolutely and that's the same reminder that she gave us and we walked through similarly so I love her I'll plug all of her stuff again because we love her yeah um I'm curious to hear if it had any part in your story um timeline wise but you also mentioned another huge um autoimmune health um aspect to your story was it running in conjunction with molds did this autoimmune issue kind of bring you to the holistic space or what was it like for you to get started here yeah so my uh fault my descent into autoimmune disease was very unfortunate in that um so my husband and i we were getting we got married in college and we were both um pursuing the Lord very persistently and wholeheartedly during that season. So we waited to be sexually active until we got married. So then we go on our honeymoon and I got a urinary tract infection on the second day (laughs) of our honeymoon because nobody like warned me. You know what I mean? Um, Mm, So yeah. So I got a UTI. It was so severe and we were in our Airbnb in the Dominican Republic, and I was literally in the shower or in the tub, like screaming and crying. And my husband had to FaceTime my mom because he literally did not know what to do. And he like called my mom second day of our honeymoon. He was like, Robin, I'm sorry to call you. And I know that you probably don't want to hear from me right now, but Kristen is really sick and I don't know what to do. Oh my gosh. That was so hard because that like kind of derailed like our whole honeymoon. And um, I ended up getting an antibiotic while we were there that my husband like got for me at a local pharmacy Mm -hmm. um, because he spoke enough Spanish to like kind of figure out what, what he wanted to get. And I had zero holistic inclinations at that time. That was in 2018. So like literally not, no, nothing except that like my mom was like 
sort of a scrunchy mom growing up. Like we would have like oslococcinum for if we had the flu or something like that. But like we were like a like a Dayquil, Nyquil loving family and like yep. all the things. So anyway, um, so I got on an antibiotic in the DR. We come back from our honeymoon. I'm still having symptoms of this UTI. And basically it like lasted for like that entire summer. Um, our first summer of marriage and we were in between our junior and senior year of college. I was like dealing with a low grade UTI the whole summer. Um, and I just was like, I'm not like, I knew enough to know like, Hey, multiple rounds of antibiotics, not great for you. So I was like, okay, I don't really want to go on more antibiotics. I'm just going to wait it out. See if I can just drink enough water and cranberry juice. Cause I didn't know anything better than that and just see if it'll go away. Um, so obviously like intercourse was extremely painful for our first few months of marriage, which was so tough and hard and like, just, yeah, like that's not what you want as a newly married couple. And so basically like to make a very annoying and long story short, um, I went to like multiple doctors during the following months to like have my low grade UTI looked at. And every time they would test me for a UTI and say, well, it looks like you have a tiny little bit of infection, but we'll just go ahead and prescribe you an, another antibiotic. So I was on multiple rounds of antibiotics and the, the test results of UTI was never really high at all, ever. And looking back, it turns out that most likely they were testing positive for bacteria that was external, not internal. So it was literally just like labial bacteria that was yeah just regular Mm -hmm. stuff yeah that they were like well it looks like you might have a uti so we'll just put you on more antibiotics so i was on multiple rounds of antibiotics still dealing with the symptoms so like painful urination bladder burning all that stuff several months later i was hospitalized with a kidney infection because it had lasted for so long and basically was in the hospital for four days and they found like barely any infection, but like my kidneys were on fire and they just like couldn't really figure out what was going on. So I ended up going to see a urologist who listened to my whole health history. He was like, well, it sounds to me like you have this disease called interstitial cystitis, which is inflammation of your ureters, uh, your, sorry, let me backtrack. It's inflammation of your urethra and your ureters. And he's like, most people can't get rid of it. And here's a pamphlet on um, what has been helpful for some people, but some people also find nothing helpful. So good luck. And then we left. What? Yeah. And I literally started bawling because I was like, my life is forever ruined. (laughs) I was like, I'm never going to be able to have comfortable sex. Like I'm going to be crying every time I pee for the rest of my life like I was devastated oh no but then I started just doing some research on my own like trying to see like what people do when they have this disease called interstitial cystitis it sounds like the name of an alien or something (laughs) and a lot of people online said like oh I cut out gluten and it really helped me so I was like okay I could try that probably so I like half-heartedly tried cutting out gluten for a while and it helped but then I loved fast food and I loved junk food so then I would cheat and then I would have a flare and so then I kind of started putting the pieces together of like okay gluten definitely seems to be a problem for me so I cut it out completely a couple months after that and that for me was the start of Mm. entering into the holistic world 
was going gluten-free, which I feel like that is kind of the story for a lot of people is they start like thinking about diet really for the first time ever. And then they just like uncover this world of information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started making some serious diet changes. So first it was gluten, then it was processed sugar, then it was limiting dairy. And then I cut out nightshades for a while and certain acidic foods because it seemed like lemons and tomatoes were really bothering me. Um, and then that led me to like reading about toxins for the first time, mm -hmm. like in personal care products, like reading about fragrance, because I was just trying to learn like what kinds of things in my environment are causing inflammation because I have an inflammation based disease. So I yeah. started researching like what causes inflammation. So then I started running into things like phthalates and parabens and sulfates and all of those things. Um, so then I started switching out my personal care products and um, getting rid of things like candles and switching out our cleaning products. And it was a slow journey yeah. as it is. It's a slow, slow process learning all about that and switching everything out. But then we ended up moving into an apartment that was full of black mold. Um, and we like saw it everywhere. We smelled it everywhere. It was an absolutely nasty place. Oh, no. um, and we didn't know anything about mold back then, except that okay. like, oh, it's probably bad. But that was when I felt the absolute worst was in that apartment. My IC was just like out of control. Um, and we ended up like unexpectedly moving out of that apartment because we had a wasp infestation in our bedroom that our landlord wouldn't deal with. So we ended oh up, gosh. I got stung like in my sleep in the middle of the night. So we were like, we are leaving. So we actually left that apartment and like we weren't allowed to like end our lease because our landlord was being a stinker. So we ended up moving into my parents' basement for a while, which we found out a couple years later also was moldy. My parents have also just gone through the same thing as us. So they literally just went through a full mold remediation after finding out about what happened to us. They decided to look into it in their house too and yeah. found almost the same kind of situation. So anyways, oh my we were living in the moldy apartment. Then we were living in my parents' basement, which was also moldy. And at this, during this time was when I'm trying to heal my body. Mm -hmm. But then we finally get a new apartment that is brand new. So um, we didn't, I, that, that I know of there was no like water damage at the time that we moved in. And that was when I really started to get better. Okay. Um, and that was when I took like toxin free, like a lot more seriously and started learning to cook really for the first time, um, started just really diving into more of the science of it all and also convincing my very scientifically minded husband that I was right about all of this. Yeah. Um, and he was watching me heal myself and he was very impressed, you know? Um, and I think that was like a huge pull for him towards the holistic world too, was just seeing like my determination and just like all of the things I was doing for myself that were working. Um, and so then it was around summer of 2020 that I entered remission and had no more flares after that. Um, and so then we moved from that apartment into our home that ended up having the mold issue. Um, but my IC never like flared up again. And I think it's because I had at that point all of the like foundational aspects of health in place that my mm. immune system was like strong enough to fight the overwhelming amount of mold that we were living in without knowing it. Mm -hmm. um, 
and I feel very grateful for that, that, you know, I was exercising, learning how to drink water with proper minerals, eating the right foods, sleeping enough. My drainage pathways were working. Yeah. Plenty of bowel movements, all of that stuff to help like support baseline health so that when we did move into mold, my body didn't freak out. Um, even though looking back, I'm pretty certain that like the underlying cause for my interstitial cystitis was living in mold for the majority of my life because my parents' house was the same house I had grown up in for most of my life. We lived in Thailand for a few years, which the city that we were in was one of the most polluted cities in the world. So I also know that that was a huge factor in me ending up having chronic illness. But when I was diagnosed with interstitial cystitis after getting married, I was coming off of three years of living in a very moist college dorm. So like, mm. it's not me looking back that that timing of that happened when it did because I had spent three years living on Chick-fil-A and living in mold in the yeah. dorm. So right. it's no surprise to me that I got sick when I did. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is quite a story. I, yeah, I can't imagine just to navigate that. But I'm also curious, like, you said that your husband was really supportive, which is awesome to hear because the whole crunchy community has some other thoughts about husbands <laughs> in terms of hopping on the journey. But we meet them with love where they're at. Um, yes. <laughs> so considering that he has a very, like you said, scientific and Western med- medicine background, where does he play a role in this? Like, he watched you do it firsthand. You guys have both kind of walked through this, like... Where do you guys meet in the middle? What has it been like for you guys to navigate that in your relationship? And then parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'll be honest and say that like this topic is the number one point of contention in our marriage. Even though I would say that we have ended up on the same mm-hmm. plane for most things. Um, this is still, of all topics, this is the one that we tend to butt heads on and have to work yeah. through the most. Um, from his perspective, which like, I obviously respect him to the nth degree, but he oftentimes feels like I don't have a lot of respect for the field that he's going into. Like, he feels like I just have a very like negative opinion overall of Western medicine, which he's probably not wrong about that. Like, I'll be honest, like I probably do. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I'm always trying to work on is like being more encouraging to him with how I speak about his career. Um, and like, being his number one supporter instead of just like making negative comments about it. And then for me, I feel like he has a hard time accepting things if there's not like really solid research backing it up. Like if it's conjecture or anecdotal, he like won't buy it at all. Um, Okay. Which I'm much more open to like anecdotal evidence just because that is a lot of what the holistic community views as evidence is like, this is my experience. And then we have, 10,000 people that have all had a shared experience so then we can come to somewhat of a conclusion of like this is how it happens or this is how it works even though the science community would say that's not legit because you haven't done an actual like study controlled study and all the things but like in like to their benefit like they're not wrong (laughs) like when you look at it from a statistical standpoint like anecdotal evidence is not evidence Mm -hmm. so anyway we do butt heads on this often and it has taken a lot of humility and we still mess up in how we communicate about these things. But I think that 
um, you know, when it comes to like how we relate to each other in our marriage in regards to these things, we lean into this concept of like biblical submission coming from both ways, right? Like there's this like idea that like, oh, in the Bible, like women submit to men, full stop. But like, I don't think that's the full picture, right? It's like in the same breath Mm. that Paul tells women to submit to their husbands he also tells husbands to love their wives and like if you think about that like how men and women emotionally are different he's really saying the same thing because what do men need to feel Mm -hmm. like they're thriving is like respect and what do women need to feel like they're thriving is love and if you kind of look at how men and women are created amazingly different by god he's really telling them to do the same thing which is like do the most loving thing for your spouse, mm-hmm. which for a woman is to respect your husband and for a yeah. husband is to love your wife. So when it comes to the topic of biblical submission, I don't believe that it's like, oh, I just have to like do what he says. You know what I mean? Like we're a team. We come to decisions mm-hmm. together. Right. We talk about things together. We compromise together. He's not like telling me how things are going to go. <laughs> um, so I think that like leaning into that concept like has been helpful because in a lot of ways he would say, Kristen, you've taught me a lot about health. And I think that's hard for him to say to a certain extent because like he has this like really extensive medical training, like textbook training based on real studies and real medications that save lives. But at the same time, he'll say like, if it weren't for you, we'd still be living in mold and we'd all be sick. So like, he definitely has like a very deep respect for what I do and how I research and the way that I come to decisions about health. And for the most part, he's let me kind of like take the steering wheel on making decisions for our daughter's health. Like for example, when she was born, he was definitely on board for a like a delayed vaccination schedule and I was more of the mindset of I don't want her to be vaccinated at all and we kind of like went back and forth on it but because I was the one ultimately like making her doctor's appointments I just decided not to book her for any vaccines and he just was like okay (laughs) like he was like she's not in daycare she's not going to go to preschool we're going to homeschool so Uh, at the end of the day, I'm not that worried about it. So that was kind of how we came to that conclusion. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's, It's not like, it's not like a cookie cutter answer for how we navigate that. And sometimes we fight about it, honestly, but we try to be respectful. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I'm super grateful that he is going to a DO school because they're getting much more of a holistic approach to modern medicine than you would in an MD program because the DO program is just as much focused on like spirit and mind as they are on body Um, and then they are also taught how to do like manipulation similar to chiropractors Um, so they're they're treating the whole body as one rather than just focusing on symptoms which is so important Um, and I feel like DOs are doing a really good job of kind of bridging that gap of being like trained western medical professionals who also have like a good understanding of like it also has to do with your mental health your spiritual health your like your spinal alignment if you're having like chronic migraine you know but then at the same time they're not being trained in like um like mold toxicity and i i mean there's a lot of things they're not 
necessarily going to be telling their patient to get rid of their candles if they have headaches all the time, right? They're still maybe going to be prescribing a medication, but they're not just pill pushing. Uh, They're going to try to figure out more so like what's at the, as we like to say in the holistic world, the root cause, right? That's not a medical term at all. So my husband hears me, hears me say root cause and he's like, that's stupid. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Right. But they're trying to figure out like what's at the heart. And I have so much respect for that and gratitude that that's the kind of training he's getting. Absolutely. And from the outside looking in, like, I think it's an abundance of gratitude because you're right. It's like being willing to stand in the middle when I feel like in our culture, we're going through this great divide of like Western medicine and their beliefs, their propaganda, as well as like full crunchy, full, you know, I'm going to run off into the woods and never come back and, you know. (laughs) banish people for all time mm-hmm. um so I really love that he's and grateful that he's stepping into that in between space because I think a lot more people should be doing that so I have so thoroughly enjoyed this conversation it felt just like a normal girl chat real life chat so I would love to just plug your um your page where can our community connect with you do you ha- have any services that you offer that they can get plugged into yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Kristen Van Gils. I'm very active there, especially on stories. I love showing up there and talking about daily life and sharing all my favorite toxin-free products and brands and helping people educate themselves on what's in the things that you're purchasing. Um, I also have a guide that you can find through the link in my bio that is called Practically Toxin-Free, and I have stage one that is currently released. There are stage two and three in the works right now, but stage one is for people that are kind of brand new to the world of toxin-free, and they want to start swapping out their personal care products and their cleaning products in their home for ones that are not going to be causing them any health harm. So it's like a step-by-step process um, guide that allows you to work room by room in your house um, to swap out toxic products. So I created that guide for people who are wanting to take the next step in their health journey. So you can find that through the link in my bio. And then I also do offer one-on-one calls for people who are wanting some more personalized info on toxins and or some help with walking through mold. Um, Because we've been through it, I want to be able to offer that kind of help to people who are like, Maybe this is something I should think about. I can help them walk through their home, Mm. check for where there might be water damage and give advice on like what next steps to take, whether that be hire somebody like PJ or, or, Hey, I think you're probably okay. Um, Maybe try to find a holistic practitioner to work through some other like potential root cause issues. Um, And obviously I have to disclaim and say that I'm not a doctor. I don't have any kind of holistic health, like professional training. I'm just, a mom who has learned how to heal herself and has walked through this on a personal level. So I'm like very passionate about helping other people do the same. Um, so yeah. And also if anybody is local to Indianapolis, I am a birth and newborn photographer as well. And I take clients year round because I love celebrating moms and parents. Oh yes. When you said that, I was so jealous because I was like, Oh, that'd be so fun. Please come visit. Yes. <laughs> awesome. I will link all of that stuff. I'm so excited and just know that you're a wealth of wisdom in this space and you're, we need all the moms that are just doing the research, making wise decisions for their families and encouraging others. So Kristen, this has been such a fun conversation and I'm so thankful for you sharing, first of all, sharing your story 
and being vulnerable and open and trusting us with that. Um, and then just continuing to serve this community really well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This was such a blast. Of course. Well, we will catch you guys in the next episode and stay in touch with Kristen. This episode of If Only Our Wiser has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more episodes so you don't miss any encouragement. And don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to build our community and share more about topics that will be healing and helpful for you. See you in the next episode. Thank you.